Good morning, everybody, and welcome to everybody's favorite youth baseball podcast, Clearing the Bases, featuring Coach Jimmy, Phil, and Jerry. I'm David Friedman, and I want to thank you for coming along this journey with us. And a special Happy New Year, as it's our first show of 2022. How are we doing this morning, Coach? Doing good, Dave. Yeah, Christmas, New Year's, just rolling by. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing. The more things change the more they stay the same we're still in uh still in these uh quarantine lockdowns and masks and all that stuff hopefully this will be relieving soon but uh as of right now not looking not looking too positive for the first couple of weeks at least well you know dave that goes against all of our principles that we have okay we're supposed to look at a new year everything is positive let's put that behind us and move forward Yes, obviously staying positive, big thing, but life does come crashing down on us sometimes. It makes it tough, but but good. The truth, truth, right? Good calling out on me there. So, all right. So, what do you got going on these days with the new year coming up? Well, we start out Thursday heading out to the uh, ABCA convention in Chicago, which you know is me being like a kid in a candy store. I look forward to it every year. So, Believe it or not, it, it, it may be January. You don't think much about baseball, but this is a busy time of the year for me between going to the convention, starting up with the travel organization, which is now the Renegades Travel Baseball Organization, getting that going, starting up some stuff with the high school. It's a busy time of year. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I know for myself, I haven't been able to attend uh, yet, but yeah, the... Uh, not really winter workouts, but just some calisthenics and getting kids into working out physically, working out weights and whatnot. Uh, that's that's started up with our school as well. Um, I'm hoping to be able to jump in soon. My work schedule hasn't been cooperating with that yet, but hopefully someday soon. But so you got the you got the big convention coming up. Assuming that uh, we can get out there and all, what what types of things you have on your agenda? Well. You know, as, as well as every, everybody that's been listening to the show, my main focus is to get better with the mental performance side. So, I mean, this year, there's a few mental performance coaches, and they're, they're very good uh, coaches, very famous. Brian Kane, Lauren Johnson, who I believe used to be the mental performance coach of the New York Yankees at one point. If, if I'm, I, I hope I'm correct in saying that. There's another speaker that I would like to go see. He's involved with USA Baseball. His name is Todd Fine. He's going to be doing a presentation on developing a championship culture. I'll go see that. I uh, want to go see another one that's um, a presentation on running an efficient practice and, and practice planning, which is something that I do for USA Baseball when we do our community clinics. So I think it would be good to go listen to somebody else so maybe I can get better at my presentation so I can see how they do theirs and, and take it from there. Most of the stuff that I go to see outside of that would be, and it's one of the things that I believe a lot of coaches neglect, is outfield play. So I'm always looking for better ways to teach my outfielders. And there is a coach from a high school, I believe it's in California, that's going to be doing a presentation on outfield drills to incorporate in your practices. So that's on my list also. But as you can tell, there's there's a lot of stuff that you can go. I mean, you can't cover it all. So the good thing about it, too, is that what the ABCA does is 
if if you go to the convention, they video all of these presentations. So if you miss one when you get home, pop it up on a computer and and it's it's right there for you. It's beautiful. Oh, that's excellent. That's awesome. So yeah, the technology incorporating technology today, just like you know, we try to do with some of our. Uh, practice stuff it's good that it's done for these types of conventions so that you can go in and get back like you said uh, there's i'm sure there's multiple times where there are two things going on at once that obviously just can't be in the two places at once so yeah uh, that's exciting i'm, I'm glad I'm, i know I'm, I'm happy for you to be able to go i know like you said that uh, you're going to be in heaven out there hopefully everything pans out and uh you can get to all the things that you want and uh you know hey maybe uh you get to meet some of the Fans of the show, uh, some of the guys that we've either had on the show or uh, gotten some feedback from or whatnot. I'm sure uh, you'd be interested in that as well. Well, my my first presentation that I'm going to see is more like a roundtable, and that'll be Thursday night at nine o'clock. Um, and Coach Anthony Pla is one of the pre- uh, presenters for that. And I'll be sitting there and then, you know, hopefully after his presentation, we'll shake hands and say hello and you know, it's a lot of networking gets done there. So it's, uh, again, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds like, uh, sounds like you should enjoy that tremendously. Um, so for today's show, we are um, revisiting again. So the, the last couple of shows, we've had a lot of feedback from the listeners. And as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, the show has been growing and growing again. Uh, we've got some great partnerships set up like with uh, Matt Cole from Youth Baseball Coaching Support Drills and Philosophy on Facebook. And um, so we get some ideas for shows through that and through some of the other feedback that we get. So on today's show, we wanted to revisit some of the things that we've been talking about most recently was about that we uh, were talking about Justin from Sarasota had written in asking about how to better work with the existing board of directors of his local little league and how to open the eyes, kind of open the eyes up in terms of, Hey, what we're doing maybe isn't working, or even if it is working, maybe it could be better. Something you just talked about, uh, even with your level of of experience, always looking to grow and learn new things. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of people just in general, not a baseball specific thing, but a lot of people in general, they had a certain age, Sometimes that age is 15, sometimes that age is in their <laughs> 20s, um, and they just feel like they know it, they know what they know, and and they want to move on. Uh, you know, we're obviously big proponents on continuing to learn and grow and be open to new ideas and looking to better yourself. Um, so that was the original, one of the original concepts that we were talking about. So today's guest, I'm very, very pleased to welcome... His name is Peter Lyons. He's a longtime coach, both Little League and travel ball locally here in the Dutchess County area. He's a big friend of the show. He is currently the president of Fishkill Little League. Welcome to our show, Peter. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks for coming, Pete. Thanks for coming. We appreciate it. So wanted to talk, um, had, had the idea as, you know, Jimmy and I both have been on the board of directors in uh, support roles, never on the uh, on the executive team or the leadership team. So we thought it might be a great idea to get the perspective of somebody who is the president, had been on the on the board for a number of years. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your 
baseball background to start off with in terms of, you know, I'd like to ask our guests, when, when did you first fall in love with the game? And then if you want to just jump up to, uh, you know, you're as a, as an adult, quasi adult, whatever we are, um, <laughs> to, uh, you know, what, what your current position is and, uh, and, and how you got there. Sure. So I, I fell in love with the game and I have vivid childhood memories back to the age of five or six with my grandmother teaching me how to hit and throw when I was five to when I first started playing Little League uh, when I was six years old. And interestingly enough, I started playing Little League in Fishkill Little League all those years ago. Wow. So the league that I'm president of today is where I got my start in Little League. Excellent. Um, and that, that's an important reason why I'm, I'm, I'm so involved with this league today. Obviously, I, I played rec baseball up until I was through 16, 17 years old. So I played both in the town of Wappinger and the town of Fishkill. I finished my Little League career in Wappinger Little League. I did play some high school ball where I started to give back as an adult when I got out of college and I was working in the area as an adult. I started in my early 20s giving back and coaching in town of Wappinger Little League with uh, some of the older, I think it was senior league at the time. Did that for a number of years until I moved away. And then when I came back and started raising my family, when two of my children were old enough, my son started playing t-ball at five. And then my daughter started playing softball at six. I started coaching her softball team and then joined the board that very year. Came on board as a general member at large and then eventually became the player agent for a number of years where I stayed as player agent until I became president four years ago. Uh, so I, as president, I'm very fortunate to have great, great group of people on the team and on the board that uh, is very well-rounded. A uh, number of these individuals do have children in the league, but it's a great balance. There's Of our 13 board members, I think six or seven of us no longer have children in the league, but have at one point. Interestingly enough, our longest tenured board member was my minor league coach when I was six years old. Wow. Uh, and he is, uh, he has been with the league all this time. He's not left his, uh, his service to our organization. And uh, he's a, a wealth of knowledge and just uh, really appreciate his and the others who no longer have children in the league staying on board and continuing to, you know, help shape the product that we put on the field. I would say right off the bat, Pete, the impressive thing to me is the fact that, you know, Dave and I talk about the sense of community and staying involved with the community and helping the community. The fact that you played in the Fishkill Little League and then as an adult came back to help the league, to me, says it all. That That is, to me, the, the basis of youth baseball and Little League. It is. I, I, I agree. Uh, and one thing to note, so my son, I did mention my son, he has not played. He played through his 12 year of Fishkill Little League. Uh, my daughter played softball for two years. She gave it a shot, moved on to some other sports at that point. Um, but uh, so I've been I've been president. This will be my third year as president without my son or any children in the league. And it is it's, I was fortunate enough to live in the area where my kids could play Fishkill Little League, uh, where I played when I was younger. But uh, to give back still and is, is really important, not only to, for giving back to the community, but to the league that helped shape my passion for baseball. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And and the fact that you have you're saying about half of your board members are in that position of not having kids in there, I think that speaks volumes for what you guys are doing because it takes away again not to bring too much negativity into this conversation, but I know back from the day when I was involved in it, a lot of the criticism of the board was them doing things for their own gain, uh, which generally would translate back to for their kids, really for their kids gain. And, uh, you know, taking that argument away from things, I think probably helps things run a little smoother. It absolutely does, Dave. Uh, I, I've been I've been there while my son was playing. I, I've 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 heard some of those things. I've I've taken on some of those lumps, but it <laughs> it you know it it really is a testament to uh, to the other members of the board that of of, of their commitment. Um, obviously, we want parent involvement. I'm not saying that we don't want any parents involved. We need them to survive as a league. We're a 100% volunteer run organization. None of us are paid. We're a 501c3 not-for-profit. And, you know, we have a community responsibility to be there for any child in this community that wants to figure out if they could like the game, want to learn the game, um, or just, you know, are there to have fun to, to, to play and meet new kids, right? And that, that's the thing about it for me is the, the responsibility to the community. And we have this responsibility to really provide this venue for kids of all types. You know, maybe there's some that are have some advanced skills at their age, right? And they might be a little bit better at the game than others. But to, you know, teach them the fundamentals uh, of, of the game, but also of, you know, the ability to meet new, new friends, the ability to spend time with others in your community of, of various backgrounds that you don't necessarily see when you go to school. Right. It, it creates friendships. There are people that I met when I was six and seven years old because of Little League that I'm still friends with today. And I hope to provide that same opportunity to as does my board to, you know, to children of our community. So that's an important thing for me. What really interests me is the fact that there's a gentleman that's on your board that when you were six, he was coaching you then, and he's still on the board. Not that the other things that we're going to talk about don't interest me, but that to me is is really special. He's been on that board for a long time. I mean, and and what what I'm really curious to know is what has his role been? So, in addition to being on our board all this time and an active member of the league all of this time, he has done everything from umpire. He is a certified umpire, but does not umpire any longer. He's also the district administrator of uh, Dutchess County uh, of District 17 Little League. He has been that for quite some time. He uh, has played so many different roles from vice president of baseball, treasurer for decades. He was treasurer. He, again, he was director of umpires. He has umpired runs an um, a volunteer umpire clinic so we can get new kids and, you know, new, you know, people who are out of playing the game, you know, 15, 16 years old and want, they may play school ball, but we, so we have an umpire clinic that he runs. Uh, even though he's no longer director of umpires uh, today, he is responsible for fundraising and sponsorships. 
And he has been doing that for a number of years for us. And he's very good at it. He's very good at it. He knows a lot of people in the community, a lot of businesses. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's fabulous at, at getting businesses and other, other community groups involved with our league. He's very good at that. Now, mentioning him, I have to mention another gentleman who's been involved at a senior level of the league for, you know, decades as well. Not as long as, as this first gentleman I mentioned, but he has not had a child in the league for at least the last 15 years. And he, prior to being uh, vice president of baseball and default head groundskeeper of our facilities, he's also been our treasurer for the last uh, four or five years. So he wears a number of hats. And again, it's, it's people like, like, him, like the two of them that are a testament to what drives our league today, what drives you know, the volunteering of our league today. It's, it's, the roles they play are critical. And we, would, we would not survive without them. That's fantastic. Uh, I mean, to have people that I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here when you're talking about this type of, you know, tenure and going through multiple, there must have been multiple presidents and vice presidents in the time that these people have been working with the board. I, I'm going to assume they're the type of people that you want on the board, that they are willing to open to new ideas and change with the times and that type of thing. Cause that is really, really important with the status of where little league and all youth ba- uh, town organized baseball is in, in this day and age. Absolutely. Dave. One of the things that uh, I think has really helped is that the, the, the new, the newcomers to the board over the last five to seven years including myself for many, many years, look to the, these two gentlemen for guidance and, Hey, you, you, this isn't your first rodeo. What, you know, we, we haven't seen, we've seen this issue uh, in the past. What, how has the league handled this? And they, they command a tremendous amount of respect from, from the entire board, myself included. And one of the things is that they're very on board with the mindset that I share with them and they share with me is there's no such thing as, Oh no, this is the way we do things here. Okay. There is no such mindset as that. And that is something that when, when I became president, I asked the board and those that want to be a part of the board that they had to share in that mindset with me. Um, Because if they, if they didn't, we would go down a path that likely would not allow us to adapt and to grow. And one of the things that 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 is absolutely one of my long-term uh, goals for the organization is to reverse the trend that, and I'm going to say Little League, and I'm not using that as a generic term, I'm using that as the brand right now, that Little League has seen since its, I would say, peak of registered players back in 1997. There were 3 million million children in the United States that played Little League branded baseball or softball. And there has been since then an approximate 3% annual decline to 2020 numbers in the United States of 1.9 million players. 
That's wow. 37% drop from 1997 to 2020. Wow. And we can get into lots of thoughts as to why that's happening. There's been a significant decline across the board, although people don't necessarily see that, um, with all of youth sports, with ages, children ages 6 to 12, um, you know, participating in uh, a sport of some kind, used to be in, as of 2018, 38% of kids between the ages of 6 and 12 played a team sport on a regular basis. And that's down from 45% in 2008. That's across all sports, all youth sports. That is not just baseball. That's inclusive of all youth sports. And I'm, I'm passionate about changing that course for our league. Now there are, you know, some of us, some of our, our leagues, well, all of our leagues are, are defined by boundaries, right? That we're allowed right. to recruit players from and recruit, you know, doesn't necessarily go along with the word little league or, or the, the, the brand little league, but we go out and market our product. You know, my board has been very open-minded about, you know, moving away from the traditional ways we market our product. We send out emails, we go by email lists of families that have moved into the area over the last couple of years, right? That seems to have helped because as COVID has driven people out of the cities, the larger cities, right? We have seen, uh, you know, urban sprawl up to this area. And we have seen those mailing lists uh, in our in our boundary areas that we buy and mail a postcard to let those households know, hey, welcome to the area, you know, you have a child in your household between this age and this age. This is the service we offer for baseball and softball. You know, if you're interested in signing your child up, please contact us. Right. That's something new. We started a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and, and that, that has drawn some, uh, some people into the league. How much would you say by doing that marketing campaign? Uh, let's say, you know, on a percentage about how many of, how many of the players are actually coming to you? We've signed 25 players up in the last two years just because of the post, just because of mailing postcards to new households. Okay. Okay. And so, roughly so, how, how many, well, how many people are on that list roughly? It, it's about, it's about 3% that we, that we acquired. Okay. So that, and that, that's what I was going to ask. So why don't we, why don't we um, define for the size of this league? Cause obviously everything's relative. If you had 10,000 sure. kids in the league, then that's a drop in the bucket. But so what, where's your um, standing about for the league? So at our, at our peak in 2017, 2018, we had just over 400 kids. And uh, we have, we're, we're down to just under 300 in four years. Now, wow. some of that is COVID, some of that is COVID related. Right. We, we absolutely have some families, even this past year that were not comfortable most people have seemed to, and it could be due to the seasonality factor in our area of, of the way COVID has been, but most, most people uh, have not seemed to let that impact them. But there have, there has, it's been about a 20% drop since the two COVID years. Majority of that we look at is the feedback has been because of COVID. Right, right. That's expected. 
So, yes. all right. So the, so your mailing, then you're talking about more than 5% increase, you know, of, of additions on, which is, uh, you know, I, I think that's fantastic. That's, that's obviously beneficial. So that's one of the areas that the board has been open-minded. And again, you know, we encourage all of our board members because we have a we have a well-rounded board. We have people who specialize in technology. Uh, there's a few of us, myself included. Then there's uh, some there's marketing, there's real estate, there's construction, right? There's business operations. So some of these are parents whose kids are in the league, and some of these are. Uh, again, some of these long tenured parents whose kids no longer are in the league, right? So to me, that's an important facet is having a well-rounded, well-rounded board. Now, I, you know, I didn't go out and seek that. We were fortunate to, to get that over the years. Uh, but we're trying to leverage experience that the real life experience that people have and bringing that to their roles in the board. So we don't say, Oh well, let's take the operate. Let's take the the technology guy and put him on marketing, right? No, we say, okay, look, you know, Mr. Smith, you specialize in marketing. Would you know? Would would you take our marketing spot on the board? And absolutely. So that alignment as well has, has helped tremendously. There's some other things that that we're doing to again not, you know, oh, this is the way we've always done things. Uh, free T-ball. I have been passionate about growing our base through, you know, encouraging families with no, so that there's no financial barrier whatsoever. Let's, let's introduce our community to, and these, the children of our community to T-ball with no barriers that can get in the way, right? Free T-ball. And uh, that we have seen uh, be successful. In that, uh, again, in 2017, 2016, we had 90 to 95 T-ball players playing in, in our league, and they were four and five years old. Our requirement is you must be four years old by April 1st of the season you're going to play. So if you turn four after, unfortunately, then you know we say, no, you'll have to wait till next year. Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter size, it doesn't matter ability. We do it for a number of reasons. Uh, and it's, it's really to keep, you know, the, the kids folk, be able to let them focus to the most that we can. But free T-ball has been something that's been very successful for us. We're, we're in our second year now of, of doing that. Our first year was, was success, was very successful uh, in turning some things around with regards to T-ball numbers. And our goal is to get to uh, 12, eight children teams. We put eight T-ball players on a team. And what we do with T-ball is really two things. They meet twice a week during the season. The season will run from early April through end of June. We don't stop that uh, because, you know, around all-star time because they're, they're not affected by all-stars. So we basically give them almost three full months April, May, June, where one night a week, they have an hour and a half of clinics where they rotate through a number of stations where we teach them how to hit off a tee we teach in, and into a net. We teach them how to put a glove on properly. We teach them how to receive a ball properly 
Uh, we teach them how to slide properly. We have special sliding mats, safety sliding mats that we put down on the grass that they use so that we can really teach them to slide on any surface. And all of this comes from Little League's, you know, kind of T-ball handbook and kind of T-ball program and how to, how to put on and facilitate a T-ball program. So once parents see that, uh, and, and we, we put that out there for parents to see ahead of time so they know what they're getting into. Um, so one night is a clinic and another night is a three inning simulated game where we uh, have each team have all eight players bat, right? We don't keep score. We don't keep outs. And we're constantly rotating each inning, the children in different positions, right? So that they understand we don't have a catcher. But we do have somebody in the pitcher position next to an adult who is there guiding them because they're much closer to the ball, right? But otherwise, we have the other seven positions in the field filled with the pitcher and an adult there. And then we have adults scattered, certified, you know, board-approved, background-checked coaches that are out there in the field uh, with their players, guiding them, instructing them along the way when a ball comes their way. And, you know, each runner gets to advance a base so that everybody eventually comes around to score. But it really kind of walks them through the motions of a simulated game. So, so this this is something that screams at me. What Something that we talk about all the time is seems like what you're doing is you're number one, starting at the very basic level. You're, you're giving them that instruction that they need, you know, at, at a very early age. <clears throat> and more importantly, you're trying to get them to love the game. Yes. Loving the game. And this is something we talk about as a board is what our mission is. Yes. We want to teach kids the game, but we want them, we want to teach them to, or give them the opportunity to love the game. You can't teach someone necessarily to love the game. That has to be their own experience come from that. But we want to put them in an environment where they're having fun. They're learning. And in some cases, they're meeting new friends or playing with their friends, right? But all of that circles around player development. And, and people laugh sometimes when they hear us talk about player development at four and five years old. But what I just walked you through is, is the very it's beginning building blocks of yes, player development. So, and when I go, I come back at people often and I say, listen, if you don't start with the fundamental approach at that age, it's like building a building, right? You can't just start building a building on the third floor and think the building's going to sustain itself. It won't. It needs its foundation to be built upon. And you have to start that. We owe it to those parents who are bringing those children to us to start that at that age. We are. So the, structured, the structured program we have does a very good job at that. Yeah, and, and that's great. And I, and I think one of the other things to put out there is you're making the program free, which from the parent's standpoint, obviously, uh, you know, I mean, even more so the last two years with how crazy uh, things have been out there uh, economically. But even before then, you know, if you've, you're a single parent or you're a young couple that with a, a young child and you're kind of struggling just to get through, are, are you going to do you want to invest even though little league and and I'll use that generically little league Calric and pony league whatever I mean they're generally not high expenses but any expense sometimes might be too much so it's I think that's a great idea to help 
encourage get these kids in because if it's something where hey i have no idea obviously you have no idea at that point is your kid gonna want to come back a second time is it going to be a fight every week to get them so if you take away that financial barrier i think that that has to have grown your numbers significantly it, it has it has and we're, we're expecting even bigger numbers this year uh, our goal is that by 2024, we are well past the 96 players uh, from our uh, from from within our territory, our boundaries that we can draw from, and you know we we've not set um, a limit to that. Uh, something else that we've done uh, with regards to our commitment to you know again building our base. Our hopes are that you know this is an investment in ourselves. We have to pay insurance for those players, right? We have to pay for a t-shirt and a hat that we give those players. But that's the league as a not-for-profit, spending our money that we have to reinvest in ourselves, right? It's giving back. It's giving back. It's giving back to the community, to our league, to with the intention of trying to use that as a, 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 build, a building our base. Because we know, you know, our goal is to retain Forty percent of every new T-ball player that signs up and stays with us for the season. If we can retain forty percent, we're happy as part of our feeder system, right? We're happy because not everybody joins us at the T-ball age. Some kids like to pick it up later in, in life. Sometimes they're six, seven, eight. You know, some kids don't start till they're ten. That creates different challenges from a development perspective because you have to assess. And then a baseline of of, of where where they're uh, where they're at, and so we place them in the right spot. But again, our focus league wide across all of our divisions for baseball and softball is about player development first. Winning isn't even second. Winning is you know fourth or fifth. You know, teaching the fundamentals of you know the of, of little league, having the kids have fun, player development. Uh, and, and, you know, meeting, you know, giving back to the community and meeting, meeting new, new, new friends. Those are all, all much higher in priority than, than winning in terms well, of. You, uh, you, you actually just stole my thunder a little bit because from what I'm hearing, yes, we're trying to make it fun, which is our number one goal at the young, young, um, young ages. But as they start moving up. So my, my next question is number one, how much emphasis do you put on winning, which you kind of touched on just a little bit? And number two, what do you do to create parity amongst the teams in your league so that, you know, nobody, there is no team that's stronger than the other? Yeah, so that, you know, there's a couple of things we do, and that varies at each age level. Um, so for the – we do evaluations. We do player evaluations every year. We don't, we don't call them tryouts. We call them evaluations, especially at the younger ages. Because you, you, tryouts to me are something you, you either make a team or you don't make a team. Everybody makes a team, okay? Our goal is to evaluate so that we can have balance, competitive balance, when it does get to towards some of the older ages, right? And I'll touch on that more in a moment. But we also, uh, at the, the younger age group, so for T-ball, if you want to come, come play T-ball at four, we welcome you, but we let you know when you sign your child up who's four, they're playing t-ball again at five. The worst thing you can do 
is rush Susie or Johnny out of T-ball, either into baseball or softball before they're, you know, they've had that year or two. So if you want to sign them up before, that's fine. And it's not a money grab because we're not charging you for it. We're giving them the opportunity at four to come in and play, but we're letting you know now. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. Feel free to do what you want with your time this year. Come back to us when you're five, but you're going to play four and five if when you play T-ball if you sign up as a four-year-old. Once you turn once you turn league age six, we then have evaluations and we get evaluations for all players every year. So we bring them together, typically six, seven, and eight-year-olds, and we look at them uh, on a field or in, in in some tunnels for three to four hours. And we assess where they are and how we should place them. And we break them up so that there's no, oh, this team is stacked. And this team is, oh, well, they're, they're kind of a more developmental team. Every team is the developmental team. Okay. At six years old, you know, no one, no one's going to some, you know, there's no scout teams, you know, referring to your, your last, <laughs> your last podcast and some of the stuff there. We, we don't, we're not doing that. Right. We do capture some metrics in the ability to look at, you know, how fast kids are. We look at the coaches, evaluate them from the ability to swing off a tee, right? The ability to receive a ball in the field, the ability to throw a ball, right? Those are, those are the types of things that we're looking at to make sure that, well, we're not going to go put a team together of kids who need all need help throwing a baseball. We're going to balance that out. Because every kid at the age of six needs help throwing a baseball, right? Six, seven, eight. So from a younger group perspective, we we capture a certain set of metrics. And again, I'm using that word loosely. It's, you know, running down to first base. It's, you know, how well they're hitting a ball off of the tee. You know, are there mechanics all over the place? Are they, you know, are they swinging with one hand? Are they swinging, you know, you know properly for a six to eight year old? And again, I'm using those words loosely. Um, and then but as you, you move also, up, you also justified it by saying, are they swinging properly for a six to eight year old? Yes. Okay, so you're looking at this, you're putting their swing into in, into perspective. Yes, you have to. You absolutely have to. Absolutely. Again, because now we're moving to that next level of foundation, right? So now we've built, T-ball has built the foundation. Now we're going to start building the first floor. Okay. And that's that's our coach pitch type uh, division that we have. And then instructional builds on top of that. So with coach pitch, it, it obvious it's all coach pitch. And then even th- there are some kids at the end of coach pitch that are showing a desire to pitch and, and the ability to pitch. Uh, and towards the end of the season, we introduce that to some of those kids that have expressed a desire and interest. Uh, instructional builds on that. Instructional starts out with Okay, we're going to go ahead and start. Everyone's going to hit off the tee. Everyone's going to be start with coach pitch, and we introduce pitching after the first week or two from from the players themselves, right? And we give them a certain ability to throw so many pitches per batter. And after four or five pitches, if they can't get the batter either on base or out, then the coach comes in and finishes the at bat, and then the pitcher goes right back in. But the pitcher stays there to field. So from that group. We evaluate things a little bit differently. We look at the same things, but from a different perspective. And then again, we do the same thing as we move up. Once you get to, you know, nine through 12, 
Then things change a little bit. We make sure we look at you from a fielding, catching, throwing, running, hitting perspective. And during those evaluations, we literally keep, you know, every player is looked at, you know, one through five, if you will. And then an overall composite is put together for every kid that participated in the evaluation. And then when the managers get together to select the players, we make sure that the teams are going to be competitively balanced so that we don't fall into that trap of what you said earlier. Hey, how do you show one team that is really, really, I think you used the word stacked and then one team that, you know, isn't, and how do we avoid that? So it's through this evaluation process, the collection of, of information that, you know, we do all that. So the coaches turn their data in, we provide a, a composite uh, of all the players put together, and then we have a competitive uh, balanced selection process to make sure that the teams aren't, you know, lopsided. So we have the, the developmental stages and, you know, you just explained how you keep parity amongst your team so that no team is overpowering another team. And all of this stuff is great. I love it. Definitely developing the players, making it fun, giving the opportunities that, that you discussed is, you know, with, with the free T-ball, that's great. All of the community involvement and people from the community are helping your league. This is, this is all great stuff, and I'm happy to hear it. But I'm going to go to now, what are you doing to educate your coaches? Yeah, so that's a great question. You know, a couple of years ago, Little League identified a challenge with not enough focus on developing coaches. So we talk about developing the players, and that's great that we have a certain mindset of developing them, but we have to have a common mindset of developing coaches. And when you had, I think it was uh, Matt Cole on a couple of uh, months ago, he was coaching coordinator from his little league in his area. And that position of coaching coordinator is something little league introduced a number of years ago as a required board position for every chartered little league, because they realized that it was critical for the continued development and growth of the players to also do that of for the coaches. So one of the things that we're doing, and we started on this last year, and we have one person involved in this right now, is we we are committed to training and developing our coaches to get them New York State certified within three years of them joining our program. And that's a lot to ask for a parent. Right. It's an absolute lot. But we are paying We're we are, again, investing in our league because we believe that having certified coaches in our league will speak volumes over time, not only with the things we talked about for developing the players, because that will obviously trickle down and they'll be the people developing the players, the coaches. But it's also a testament to the community that we take this responsibility very seriously. So we have one individual that signed up and has is started going through the process. Um, and that's not an overnight thing. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a journey, right? That is a journey to, to develop. And it's, it's really the people coming out of T-ball 
where we've been successful in getting people interested. Uh, we have two other gentlemen who are interested that I'm hoping we're going to sign up this year uh, in this certification program so that they're New York State certified coaches. And again, it's a three-year process that we've kind of laid out for them because of the amount of time it takes. And, you know, they, obviously they have real jobs. Uh, but these are, these are parents, uh, two dads and one mom, who see that their child has taken to the sport, likes the sport, and wants to be involved in that capacity. So I'm hoping the other two will agree to that uh, this year to, to join the certification process. Uh, but in the, so that's kind of the long-term thing that we're doing on the short term, filling that coach's coordinator position. This is kind of a double-edged sword is I've talked to a number of high school coaches, college assistant coaches that I would love to be in that, in that coordinator role. The problem is, is I need it during the spring primarily when they're in their busiest timeframes. Right. So who better to have in that role? than a high school coach or assistant coach or, you know, even, even I'll even say, and I haven't used this word yet. I'll even say a real experienced travel coach. Right. But I'm talking someone who's also coached high school or college as well. Right. Not just, you know, I've coached travel ball for 10 years at the youth level. That doesn't necessarily make you, you know, the right coach, for that, that type of role, but filling that coach's coordinator role with the right person to me is critical for the short term, the near term for continuing to coach and train and develop our coaches. One thing we did this past year is, and it's, it's another way to bring people forward to volunteer, right? That's how, that's hard enough as it is getting, getting people in this day and age to volunteer and I don't know if it's COVID related. We've had the problem prior to COVID, but it's even harder now to get a volunteer to come on the field and coach, to go help run our concession stand. But keeping it focused on coaching right now, you know, what we did was for those that did come forward and say, look, hey, I, I want to help, but I don't have the most experience. We said, not a problem. So a number of us who have coached for years would go out and help run clinics with them. But we hired a local uh, training facility uh, in the area who has certified baseball coaches, num number of experienced high school, you know, so some high school type coaches, some players themselves, a lot of them college players, and they were back for the season. And they would actually come to our practices and our games and help the coaches. So they would actually coach. They would run the practices and teach the coaches alongside while they were teaching the kids. And that went over extremely well this year. The feedback from the parents was enormous. And you really could see their appreciation and recognition of how important that was. And even some from some of the spouses, like, oh, wow, I, I've, seen, I've seen my husband just grow so much in the last two months. And he's really excited about this now. You know, he gets it now. He knows how to, oh, you know, instead of being timid about getting to a practice and not knowing what to do, he's actually doing some practice planning ahead of time before he gets to practice and laying things out. So, so we're going to continue to do that in the short term uh, over the next three or four years. 
while we grow our own base of certified coaches. So I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah. yeah, I I I think that the you know everything you just said is is great stuff. But I know that going to be a New York State certified coach, like you said, it's a long haul, and I think it it's going to take a special person to do that. It you know, like you said, it, there's just a lot involved to do it. Yeah, it it is absolutely a a I don't want to call it a stretch goal because it's something we really we're really committed to doing. But it's a partnership between us and the parent. It really is, you know. And you know, we're like I said, last year was our first year. We got one person to sign up. I was thrilled. Again, we're we're fun. We're funding it. We're 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 paying for it. And uh, you know, that's um, this is something we hope works out in the long term. It well, it's, it seems like it, it'll have to. Um, but so one thing, just a, a couple of things that you mentioned there that I wanted to touch on. So it's about New York certified coaches. Do you know what organization that's through? We can uh, give it out to our listeners. So if it's something that they're interested in doing, or I know, you know, Jimmy has also talked in the past about USA Baseball has their their programs and certificate courses. So what uh, you know? What's what's kind of the starting point with that? Where where can they go to see that? So there's a couple of things that it's a combination of both National Federation of High Schools and USA Baseball. There's a couple of courses we're having them take from each. Uh, I, I ideally it's it would be NFS National Federation of High School certified uh, is is technically what they would be, even though it's that is a far. Uh, overreach from what they need to be doing with with youth uh it'll cover everything from the uh psychological aspect of of the coaching right some of the classes that are covered there as well as some of some of the fundamental classes that are covered so it it, it does seem like an overreach but we have felt that that in combination with a number of usa baseball clinics would be the best way to go i know the the nfhs has they have two levels of certification one of them is i'm trying to remember one is a um, certified inter interscholastic coach and i believe the other one is accredited one is is more in depth than the other so i'm assuming that you would be going with the accredited the accredited one yes okay so all good stuff, all very, very important in terms of everything we've been talking about, building the foundation of the players uh, and the coaches because they need their foundation as well. Uh, so let's talk a little bit again about going back to the just the general league setup and how the board of directors works. So I know for your league and Fishko Little League, you guys combine under one umbrella, basically, both the baseball and the softball programs. The programs that uh, Jimmy and I came up through, they were completely separate, like it was, and I was, I actually found it odd uh, because I think growing up, the programs were basically combined. But uh, when I joined up with the the league, I was surprised how, how separate the programs were. There was almost no communication between the two, even though we shared fields and facilities and whatnot. So you want to talk separate, a little. They had separate boards, if I remember, right? It was, oh, yeah. just, yeah. it's yeah, like it two was, different leagues. Yeah, it was completely separate. Uh, there was no, and there wasn't a oversight between the two. So if there was a conflict on using a field for this for baseball versus softball or whatnot, it was it was could be a big to do. So how does your how does your league work with uh, within that frame, Pete? Sure, Dave. So 
we are combined and we find that it actually helps alleviate a number of the things you just talked about. We have a vice president of softball. Uh, that person, that position is a peer to vice president of baseball and they work with the same treasurer, the same marketing team. They work with, uh, the same director of umpires, uh, field scheduling, all of it together works in harmony for our league. And, and again, we find that we've talked about separating them before, but we found that, you know, the registration system, all that stuff is just, it's cohesive. It's, it's, it's together. And we find that it's, it's more successful to be together than it is not to be together for, from, for at least that's, that's our findings. That it, seems, may not it, work. It, it seems like it would have to be. And like I said, I, I, I found ours to be absolutely ridiculous. It had to cost more. You had to have more people volunteering, um, it, it seems it, it seems like that that has to be the better way to go. Yeah. In addition, you know, chartering fees would be different. It would actually cost you more money to do it that way. Sure. Uh, than it would just just from the economies of scale on uniforms and insurance and et cetera. It, 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 we're better off as one charter, one organization than we are, too. That, that's our findings. Somebody may have a good reason somewhere that that's not the case. But for our environment, playing the same fields, concession stand, all of that, it works out best if we're, we're one cohesive unit. So along the lines of softball, there's been one thing that is always, that has always kind of just really bothered me in terms of not really understanding it the way I understand travel baseball. So with the travel baseball world in our area at least we left saturdays alone in terms of hey saturday is for little league it's for rec ball okay so travel would always schedule their stuff on sundays you know when there was overlapping seasons and occasionally a kid would miss you know there were some kids who played travel and they would miss uh, a week or so you know sometimes during during the week they, they might miss a game or a practice um but it really depended on the situation for softball. We have found that it really impacts enrollment and I'm not alone in that. I talked to all of our other leagues, all the other presidents in, in little league and, and they're like, yeah, you know, you hear everything from the range of, Oh, the travel ball softball coach doesn't want you playing rec ball because they're not going to teach you things my way. And they're not going to teach it the softball way. Or you're going to be you're going to be playing with pitchers who are going to throw off your you know your your swing because they're going to be slower. And I said, well, all of those things exist in baseball, and we don't seem to have as much of an issue on the baseball side where players just aren't signing up as we do on the softball side. So I did a little bit more digging over the last year. And what I come to find out is that unlike baseball, where they play everything on Sundays, typically in the spring, softball plays it on Saturdays. And it's a direct conflict with the rec ball schedule. So I turned to our board and I said, I have an idea. We're not going to play softball on Saturdays anymore. They want to play Friday nights. and They want to play on Sundays. Any objections? And they were like, if that's going to bring softball enrollment back, we're all for it. So in the fall this year, we made that change. 
And we went to the other district, the other leagues in our district. And we said, listen, we've, we understand from another number of these different travel programs and their families that if we don't schedule games on Saturdays, but we do it Fridays and Sundays, and then a little bit during the week, they're going to play. And we did it. And we had a 200% increase in our softball program in the fall. Wow. Okay. Awesome. 200%. Now, Let's put it in perspective. How many kids is that? All right. So we went from having two softball teams to having six softball teams. This is this is a specific age group. This is what age this is, group? This is all across. This is six to eight, eight to ten, ten to twelve. Okay. Wow. Okay. Right. So we're going to continue that into the spring, and those parents have committed. Yeah. Hey, we're back in the springtime, right? And we're we're working now with our other leagues in the district to open their eyes to this and see that, hey, this is the way that we're bringing softball back for us. And here, here's the key. It's it's the, the kids who are playing travel ball coming back is good for the entire league because it's good for all the players. I believe that having players to be able to play with a variety of caliber, it's, it's a very good thing to do for player development. And to make sure that, you know, teams aren't lopsided. We're not stacking one team, right? Each age group will have a balanced set of teams. It worked out really well in the fall. I was very happy with it. The board was happy with it. And another example of how we're willing to look ourselves in the mirror and say, what's working, what's not working, and how do we adapt? Yeah, so, I, 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 think, I think it's great from a number of standpoints. Uh, one of the things I, I've talked about on the show plenty of times in the past. So forgive me guys for repeating myself, but it's one of the things I think is most important when we talk about player development and the uh, relationship between all-stars and regular league or travel and regular league is the opportunities for those kids that are not the hands down superstars. So in other words, the kid who playing travel maybe only gets to play three innings in left field every game or whatnot is probably good enough to be starting shortstop on the town team or might be the number two pitcher on the town team, but never gets a chance to pitch for travel team or and things like that. So from the standpoint where we want to talk about keeping the kids interest, which should be the most important thing in all of this, uh, keeping the kids interested to me, I, I, I think that's enormous. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it also has to do with repetition, right? Because we know the game, you know, revolves around getting as many reps as you can. So like Dave, to your point, you have a travel ball player that's not getting much playing time, not getting many reps on a travel team. Well, now they're playing rec ball. They're going to get more reps and they're going to get better. So it's, it's a great, great tool developmentally. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I went through this with my own son, but with the, the relationship between travel and, and town, which we can get into a little bit. Um, but more on, on this, uh, topic is i want to talk about from your position pete as the as the president but just the board's attitude altogether one of the issues that jimmy and i saw and we talked about on the last show when the environment around you is changing you can either agree to adapt and survive or you could try to hold back the tide that's rushing against you and unfortunately a lot of the people that we had dealt with at the time they were in the position of travel bad. And so, you know, to, to hell with those guys, we're going to do our thing. Well, that's a pretty good recipe for watching your league shrink down. Uh, you know, and, and like you said, you can say, 
well, we can go to all the travel programs and say, hey, stop playing games on Saturdays or do the thing that makes more sense, which is, okay, let's stop scheduling games on Saturdays that we have to keep rescheduling or our numbers are just going to plummet down. Dave, the way I looked at this and I approached this with, with my, my board, and maybe the difference here is, is that I'm the one who's leading the charge of being open-minded and I, I don't want to take the credit for it. My entire board deserves credit for having this mentality. They do. There's no naysayers. There's no, you know, we, we are trying to be as open-minded as we can be to what's worked in the, you know, what, what's worked in the past. Can we tweak it a little bit? What's not working anymore? Like, let's think of it this way. And this is what I said to my board. We used to drive horse and buggies. If somebody wants to still drive a horse and buggy today, that's great. People will pass you by because they're driving motorcycles and vehicles that can take you farther a lot quicker. Right. Okay. So go ahead and drive your horse and buggy if you want. Let's see how successful you'll be. And nobody gave resistance. Nobody wanted to live in the past. So maybe I'm lucky. Maybe maybe we're fortunate. Maybe it could be just, I don't know. But I believe that in order to survive like any business does, not just a, a not-for-profit youth rec organization, you have to be willing to adapt. And I believe having business-minded people on my board is why they're so open to fostering change. I really do. Well, it also has to do with leadership too, Pete, because, you know, let's face it, you're the guy at the top. You're, you're the one that everybody's looking at. So if you don't have that perspective that you have where let's try and make things better, hey, what can we do about this? How can we fix this? That's all leadership. So, you know, people are looking at you saying, okay, great. Pete is willing to change. Let me come up with some ideas. Maybe I can help. Whereas Dave, Dave's experience and my experience has been the exact opposite. The guy at the top was the guy saying, hey, shut up and do what I said. And that's, again, it's, we've said it before, it's a recipe for disaster. And it is. that's where it's, that, that, that's where that league is going. Yeah. It's unfortunate. So that's great. And let's, so we, we touched on it a, l- a little bit here. So let's talk about that, that balancing. So you as president of the league, but then also being involved with the league itself as um, as a regular coach during the season, um, as if you're involved with All-Stars, because we want to expand this out, not just you, obviously, throughout the, uh, the listenership that we have. So how do you how do you balance out? Uh, I guess it would come down to fairness of if there is an issue in the league, you're the president, but you're also a coach in the league. Again, generally speaking, the number of volunteers, not great. So most yeah. of the times we have to wear multiple hats. Uh, when we're in this, because not just as a president, but even as any board member, because you, you were on the board, we said about 12, 12 years, uh, this will be your 12th year on the board. So you've been dealing with this for many years as a coach and a board member, as a coach and a president, um, as the president and trying to be involved with all stars. If your kids are on all stars, how do you balance that out so that you're not getting the issues? Not, not that you're not getting the 
issues, but you're not getting the, the complaints about, oh, he's making decisions based on what's best for his kid. He's making decisions for what's best on his team. He's got the easiest schedule, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. And, and yes, uh, these, these are all prominent concerns and issues. And I, uh, you know, having spoken of the two gentlemen who uh, have been longstanding board members, I leaned on them a little bit for this one in particular uh, who isn't the district administrator. And I'll get to that as to why in a moment. So yes, I have coached my son and I've coached uh, while I was on the board uh, and while I was president. Uh, it's not because I had said, oh, I'm coaching. It's because we haven't had people to necessarily coach. Uh, people couldn't make the commitment to get out of work at certain times every day, guaranteed. I'd have people who say, well, I can, I can get there occasionally. I can do this occasionally, but I can't be there. And we had you know, at the, the 2019, the last year my son played, we had uh, five uh, teams. We had five coaches, five managers who could say, make the commitment. Yes, I could. I could be a coach. I had the board vote and approve me as a coach. Now, somebody could say, well, that's just a rubber stamp vote. And I said, no, guys, look, this is important. You, you need to make sure that you know, you're, you're, you're taking into consideration whether I can vote uh, coach in the regular season. And what I insisted upon was that because every one of the five coaches, the managers, each had a son playing travel ball, we basically all took our, we had to take our kid right, you know, at, at the top, right? So everybody picked their kid in a certain round. You had to. But then I came up with the idea of let's put five numbers in a hat as far as the draft goes, right? And let's, you know, I would pick last of, of numbers out of a hat as to what order we would pick it. So it was totally randomized. Who picks first, who picks last? And as crazy as it is, you know, everybody picked a number. I got the last number out of the hat. The secretary handled all of it. I'm sorry, the treasurer handled all of it. And, you know, everybody thought that was fair in terms of draft order, right? Um, we then made sure nobody had, everybody had the same number of travel players, and the same number of non-travel players on a team. We made sure of that. We went through the season. It was a very fun season. Nobody, no one team dominated the other and kids had a blast. The kids had a blast, excuse me. And the, uh, you know, I, I, I thought overall it was a very successful season from a regular season perspective, successful in kids advanced. They grew as ball players. Uh, they lost games. They won games. And at the end of the day, the feedback from the parents was was very positive. So to me, those are all measurements of a successful season, right? Uh, all stars came around, and we had we had two coaches who's uh, were going on vacation. Their kids weren't going to be eligible to play, and they said, "I, I can't commit." And then it came down to there's three of us who were available, but two of the gentlemen absolutely said, look, I'll coach. I am not going to manage the team. Okay. And I said, well, then there's a process that we have to go through for this. And little league requires for in order for a president to uh, manage an all-star team, every single coach 
in that division has to sign a letter from the president that says, I don't, I don't have the ability to commit time to managing the team. And then the district administrator, who is also a board member, they have to approve it. And then it has to go out to Eastern Region. And then Eastern Region has to approve it. And only once they approve it, does that allow me to be the quote unquote all-star manager? And that's at any age bracket, right? So I just can't say, okay, I'm president of the league. I'm, not, I'm, I'm managing this team. I can't do that. Or I'm coaching this team. Can't do that. So you went through the correct steps. Yes. And you did what you were supposed to do. You had the letter signed. You sent them to the higher ups, we'll say, and did it the right way. My experience has been that you're probably the, the one off. Overwhel overwhelming minority, I think, we, I think <laughs> yeah. we could say. I don't believe that from my experience. And again, I could be totally wrong, but my experience has told me that that would never happen. They would do what they wanted to do. The president would take his team and they wouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> and that's exactly what would happen. Yeah. I, you know, look, could I have done that? I guess I could have, but that's not the way that we run the league. It's not. And my board holders, my board members would hold me accountable for that. So in the end, you know, people could have filed a complaint with Little League. They could have done a number of things and it could have gotten our league in trouble. I, I, I just, that's not the way I want this league run. It's just not, yeah. you know. Well, I, I can tell you that there, there were instances, and I, I wish I could remember what they were, where I actually contacted Eastern New York region of Cal Ripken because that's what we were involved in. And the response I got was basically, you know, we can't, we're not going to get involved is basically what they said. We're, we're not going to get involved. The league does what the league is going to do, basically. Sure. Sure. Right. Yeah. They, they don't have, they don't have the manpower to, uh, to really have oversight. They don't have the interest. I, I know what you're referring to, Jimmy. And I kind of, I, I remember some things about who our local rep was from Cal Ripken. And it, yeah, it was just somebody to, Go along to get along type of But you want to know something, Dave? I went beyond that. I, I went yeah. all the way up to, you know, like I said, to, to the president of the Eastern New York. Um, actually, I remember, I'm not going to use his name, but I, I actually remember his name because while I was the all-star manager, I became somewhat friendly with him. So I had a relationship. So I called him up and said, look, this is what's going on. We need help, you know, to, to straighten this out. And I was basically told, like I said before, we're not going to get involved. Let the league do what the league's going to do. Almost as if, well, if you don't like them, then vote them out. And I don't want to start getting back into those sure. issues, but that's basically what I was told. Right, right. So it it, it kind of goes back to what, what we said before about having somebody in that position that's a leader, somebody that knows how to lead and doesn't have any uh, ulterior motives for why he's doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. and, and I've been coaching now. I mean, I've I've been um, I've been president now since my third year since my son stopped playing uh, rec ball. He's more focused on playing travel and high school ball now. So you know, I'm, I'm not going to force him to play. I'm going to let him, you know, you know, choose his path at this point. I, I even coached a team 
two years ago, uh, you know, that first year he was out, uh, you know, of 13 and 14 year olds because there, I could get nobody to do it. I just couldn't get anybody. And I'm not going to let that be a reason where, you know, here's a bunch of 13 and 14 year old young men who have a passion for the game. They want to play, but for whatever reason, they didn't make a travel program or their high school team. And you know what? That's okay. We have a responsibility to still provide a home for these young men to play. Yes. And that's why I, I was not going to let that team not, not play. I, I took the team. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's, and it's, I, I would say it, it's a rarity. I'm sure it happens a lot more than we hear about because those are not the types of stories that usually get put out there. It's obviously you hear more about the complaints than about the good things that are done. So, um, you know, something that we we talk about doing here, reach out to us, you know, drop us a line. You guys know the contact information for us, clearingthebases at gmail.com. Reach out to us on Twitter at the CTB show. You know, let us know the things that you see, uh, the positives. Let's let's focus on the positives that you see in your league, the, those unsung heroes that are there, the people that are putting in the time and the effort and are trying to do things the right way. Uh, it, it's it's what we need to keep the sport going. You know, we talk about we've had on our friend of the show, Kevin Gallagher, talking about saving the game. There's the the rules that we can implement, but it really boils down to the people. Rules can get Sides sidestepped regulations can get sidestepped and can get manipulated. Uh, you know, massaging the gray areas of rules and laws and things. It does boil down to the people getting the good people involved, getting them set up. You know, we talked a ton this show with Peter about how to get those new people involved at the early stages, giving them the tools, the 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 training, the um, setting them up to be the certifications to be coaches and things like that. If we don't get new blood into the system, not just players, but volunteers wise, uh, you know, it, it's only going to it's only going to go bad. So uh, these are the things that we need to do. We've seen some uptick in some areas in registrations and in participation, but we need to keep pushing that. We need to get this going in the right direction to keep the game going forward. So that about wraps it up for this week. Uh, really want to thank Peter Lyons for jumping in. He's the president of the Fishkill Little League. If you're in the area and you have uh, kids that play, reach out to him. Uh, he's happy to talk to you about any of your topics. If you're interested in joining in with the league, obviously they're looking to grow. They're doing all the, uh, a lot of the things that we talk about that are important to get that going. Um, so it's a great resource for the area. If you're not in the area, I hope that you enjoyed some of the things that we talked about today in terms of uh, what you can do back in, in your hometown to get your leagues uh, up and running. Again, reach out to us, clearingthebases at gmail.com. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter at the CTB show. Let us know what types of things your leagues are doing that you think are good and helpful. And Pete, really appreciate it. I know everybody's time is valuable. Really appreciate you taking the time out and joining us today. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. I hope you both have a happy and healthy new year. Thanks, Pete. I want, I want to say that I think that you were able to provide a lot of good information for people out there to possibly take a look at and hopefully make changes to their league for the better. Our main goal on this show is always to try and make the game better, make it fun and develop the players along the way. So thank you again to all of our listeners. The show has been growing and growing. We cannot thank you enough. Uh, we love hearing back from you guys, and uh, we hope that you're enjoying the content. Uh, let us know how things are going. 
topics for future shows, always reach out to us. Review and rate on, uh, you got the iTunes app, on Spotify and whatnot. It helps us to move up the charts. It helps the show to grow. And uh, hopefully it'll help us to get on some, uh, continue to get on great guests like we did today with uh, Peter Lyons from Fishkill Little League. And always remember, only two things in life that we can control ourselves at all times. That's our effort and our attitude. Give us 100% effort at all times. Keep a positive mental attitude, PMA, and good things will follow. Final words, Coach? Yeah, now that we're into the the new year, I'm kind of reflecting back a little bit on how the show did last year. We started late March, and I I really am still overwhelmed by how well the show has has done and how far we've come. And I just really want to say a real heartfelt thank you to everybody that listens to this show because it means a lot to Dave and I. We can't thank you enough. So again, thank you for the success. It's all on you. And like I usually say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you.